Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to make sure I turn all the lights on before I got started there uh, so you can see who I am. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started with some music to allow people to get ready to uh, also get situated at home or wherever you are uh, to hear Sunday School. We're going to play a favorite. It is going to be Just Want to Praise You. I Just Want to Praise You. The Alfred Street uh, Baptist Church and Choir. And we appreciate you being here this morning. Good morning, Anitra. Good morning to my bride as well, too, who is also online to assist. Thank you for being here this morning. We are live in church today. Back after about three weeks, two weeks, two weeks. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Angie, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Amen. Welcome to Sunday School, everybody. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Brother Nate, good morning. West Coast? <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Amen. Good morning, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Still early out there. Yes. Amen. Lisa, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Alfred Street Baptist Church Choir. That was I Just Want to Praise You. And we uh, appreciate uh, you joining us today. We've got um, quite a bit going on here uh, as far as church is concerned. But we're starting first with Sunday school because that's what's most important right now. And Rometta. Uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I just saw you sneak in there and 
And that's why we play the music. We want to get people to get their, their Wi-Fi situated, get their coffee situated, get settled in so we can get ready for Sunday school. Um, we have a couple of announcements to make. Uh, Pastor Gus is going to be bringing the message today at church here, and we uh, appreciate those of you in Akron coming and joining us for church uh, in about, uh, what is it, an hour and a half, about an hour and a half, I guess is the best way to put it, but we'll be here, and uh, we appreciate you being here with us for that. Um, we do, it is the second uh, Sunday, so we actually have prayer ministry today. Um, it's interesting, I have a calendar of things to remember, and I remembered, I remembered last week, when I get back, we have prayer ministry. So we have that that takes place between Sunday school and the church service. So uh, for those of you here in the, in the room here, you're welcome to join us for our prayer ministry time, which is about 15 minutes of prayer time uh, before our service. And we thank you again for joining us nonetheless. Um, and after that, it's, it's just a regular Sunday. We're going to be in getting engaged more with now what God's Word has to say. And we're going to be hearing what He has to say to us here in this particular uh, Sunday School lesson. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you giving prayerful consideration to your giving, uh, your worship through giving. If you are not here and if you want to mail your tithes and offerings, you're welcome to do so. The mailing address is Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. That's Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And given the fact that it is almost Christmas and uh, there may or may not be, we don't know for sure, we only know when the Lord brings people to us, but we want to be prepared for any benevolence that might take place during this season during this time of year. It's an interesting time of year. Some people are ready to celebrate about Jesus and some people um, are, may be affected in a negative or emotional manner because sometimes people lose relatives around Christmas time, so it's a tough time for some. So we always want to keep uh, that in under consideration as we look at uh, making sure that we're being prayerful in our contributions and, and we thank you for doing so. Uh, that's what we, we appreciate very much. Today's Sunday School is going to be uh, essentially a, a happier tone than the last few that we've had because we're now going to be talking about the resurrection, which is something that really is good to, to look at. Um, Jesus is, of course, on mission. He was, a, he was a missional. He had a missional way of living, and he completed his mission uh, when he indeed uh, rose from the dead. And we're going to talk about that today in the passages that we're in. And it's going to be a stark description of, well, let me put it this way. When John uh, is going to be presenting this information, a lot of the accounts of what took place, there were always people around during biblical times that were scribes or would record information and take notes as to what was going on. And so, um, this is not new information. Uh, when John recorded this, this is he is going to reveal some things to us that were not recorded before, which we'll talk about here in today's passage. And we're in John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. But we are um, very grateful to have the Word, and we're grateful that God gave us different accounts um, of the same event to be able to look at some things here very carefully and also to make the case and continue to make the case that how important the resurrection truly is. You know, if Jesus had died on the cross and had never risen again, then we wouldn't have a purpose for being here. Uh, there'd be no reason for us because he'd be like any other man who uh, lived and died. And, and at the end of the day, his resurrection, we talk often about what Jesus did on the cross for us, but arguably we should talk more and more about the resurrection and not just talk about it during Easter. We should talk about it all year long because that is what is really important in our walk of faith and service for Jesus Christ and believing who Jesus Christ truly is. Without the resurrection, where would we be? We, Because we have the resurrection, what do we have? We have eternal life. We have life with Jesus. We know that when we die, uh, we're going to rise again ourselves. He is the first resurrection and so he is representative of the first resurrection and we will be the ones that follow him when we are risen again once more. Um, 
And so that is just something to look forward to. It's something to be very glad about. It's something to be very happy about. And what I hope you're going to see here too is the enthusiasm of those who recognize the coming of Jesus. The enthusiasm is going to come more from the, from the women, um, but, but let's look at it in greater detail and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. But the important thing for us to see here is that Jesus was laid in a tomb and three days later in the morning, that tomb was empty. And that tomb was emptied not because somebody stole the body of Jesus. So that's what even Mary Magdalene is going to say here in the passage. Or the, the Romans, they were going to you know, try to claim that the disciples stole the body or try to tell that story because they couldn't account for the fact that there was an empty tomb. Uh, but that's not covered in John. We'll cover that um, at another time when we do the study. But we're going to go ahead and read the passage of John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. But before we do so, let's enter into this moment and this time with prayerful consideration that the Spirit speaks. Amen? That's what we want. Marnell, good morning. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you being here. Um, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Lord, you are worthy of our praise and you are worthy of our total attention right now. We thank you, Lord, for your presence today. And we thank you for your presence always. But, Lord, we really value your, your presence when we are trying to learn more from you and learn more about you. Lord, we know that even though we believe in you and even though we have faith in who you are, <clears throat> pardon me, you are still teaching us. We are still learning from you. That learning never stops. That learning always continues. And Lord, we, are, we know that we can't possibly know everything, but Lord, you give us exactly what we need to know moment by moment when we're ready to process it. And even in this topic of reading about the resurrection of Jesus and reading about what happened and looking at the account that John gives to us, Lord, speak to us now what we need to know and need to hear at this time. Thank you for revealing things to us, not all at once, because we couldn't process it. But we thank you for revealing things to us gradually so that we can take it in, that we can decipher it, that we can learn from it. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for the teaching that, wait, that awaits us. Bless us and keep us, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. And it is a great passage to read. We're, we've got about, after today's lesson, about four additional lessons in the book of John to cover, barring any um, uh, hiccups of any sort. But this is going to be one where we're going to see a lot of movement taking place and questions being asked as to what happened with Jesus' body. And I want to kind of prepare you a little bit here. Um, we're going to be reading about Mary Magdalene because we, that's the account that John is giving to us, uh, which is going to be a little bit different from what Matthew, Mark, and Luke did um, when it came to their rendition of the gospel. But we also want to point out something about the fact that it wasn't just Mary that was there. There were, there were women that were there present when, he was at, when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was being buried, and when the, and of course the account after the fact when they were visiting the tomb. But John makes it a point to make an account about Mary Magdalene. And they came because they recognized that when the tomb, when Jesus was being prepared for the tomb, it had to be done very quickly uh, because they had to get it done before the Sabbath. And so there was, it was kind of a rush job. I, I, I hate to use that word, but it kind of was because the ladies, the women there, made it a point to grab additional herbs and spices and all those things necessary so that when they, when they served the time of the, the Sabbath and came through it, they were going to go back and now put more of these spices uh, on Jesus uh, in the tomb. Okay, And so that was the whole purpose of those ladies coming 
early in the morning. They were going to add more spices to try to uh, basically uh, put, put them on the body of Jesus. But let's read the passage. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 1. I went through all of that to set up what we're going to be talking about today, so thank you for bearing with me on that. But let's start with verse 1, John chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Verse 8, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. And that's the reading. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. I left that one verse, then they went home. That's a memory verse, right? <laughs> it's a short verse. Then they went home. All right, so let's go back and look over this because I have a lot of notes on here and I'm not sure if we're going to use all these notes or not, but um, starting with the account, John is giving a supplementary account to the writings of what took place with Jesus when he rose from the tomb. And so that's why we only see certain things that are already done. Many of those things were probably understood but this account about Mary Magdalene going and grabbing Peter and John, by the way, that's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. We've covered that before, that John never refers to himself. He always refers to himself in a third person when he writes. And it's important for us to see that you're going to look at different examples of faith that take place here. Different examples of faith. And... We know and we, we can pretty much rely upon the fact that we need measures of faith all the time, don't we? Amen? Faith is necessary for us to believe in Jesus. And there are sometimes we have to require a measure of faith more because we might be weak with our faith. And so we're going to see these different examples of this with three different individuals. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John. These are the examples that we're going to be looking at here in this passage. And understand that Mary had made the assumption immediately when she came upon the tomb. Go back to verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken, they, they, who is they? They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Now, maybe she was implying that the Roman soldiers took him out of the tomb. I mean, that's, that's what we have to assume. We, we know that it wasn't the disciples. They were kind of uh, cornered and, and hiding away for the most part for the three days that had taken place since Jesus went to the cross. And we're going to see that lessons are going to be learned here. She made a mistake. She made an assumption. And we have to recognize that um, her assumption was incorrect because she didn't realize that Jesus was going to rise on her own from the dead. But that's one account of faith. And, and understand something. We, we can't be too hard on people at this time because they don't have the information we have about what happened with Jesus. They were learning about this the moment it was taking place. And we can't be hard on the disciples either, Peter and John. They had to see what was taking place. And John is making a very clear statement even about himself. We go further down in the passage. He didn't understand. He didn't know what was going on. He's giving an account after the fact, stating this. And that just shows you that 
we look at these individuals who are writing this information, recording the information. Scripture is making it very clear to us that there wasn't complete understanding. There wasn't complete knowledge of what was taking place. They were learning on the spot. They were learning at that very moment what was going on. And we know that there were other women involved uh, with the tomb. We, we mentioned Mary Magdalene, but if we went back to John chapter 19, verse 25, you don't have to turn to that. I'm just going to mention there were other women involved. Mother, um, the mother of Jesus, um, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas was there. Mary Magdalene was there. A lot of Marys there were <laughs> there uh, initially. And if you read other accounts too, there were other uh, women that were being mentioned too. In Mark chapter 16, visiting the tomb were Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James and Salome, another person. So there were a lot of women. These are the women uh, of Galilee. We kind of refer to them all as the women of Galilee who had um, a desire to make sure that Jesus was being further uh, anointed with those spices uh, when he was in the tomb. And they made it a point to gather together and do those things first thing right after the Sabbath. So it's not necessarily because they were first that they deserve kudos. They had full intention to be there early in the morning to do this thing. And of course, the disciples, the men, Peter and John, they did respond to when Mary Magdalene came and told them to show up and see and take a look and see what was going on because that tomb was sealed. And let me make something, uh, point something out here very important. The stone was not rolled away from the entrance to the tomb so that Jesus could get out. Let's start with that. Because did he really need to have the stone rolled away to get out of the tomb? When Jesus was going to be in this new body, and we read about this later, where he could walk through walls and he could... He could appear in the room without when the doors were locked. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away. What was the purpose of this stone being rolled away? The purpose was so that others could get in to the tomb and see that Jesus was not there. That's the reason why the stone was rolled away. We don't have an account from John as to why the stone was rolled away because John came in after the fact and saw the stone rolled away. That's all we have. We don't have that information. And we recognize that if the stone is rolled away, and the stone was rolled away and the Roman soldiers didn't do it, remember they were, in the other accounts, they were guarding the tomb. But they were not capable of, you know, they were put into a deep sleep. They didn't recognize what was going on. And it was for us to see that Jesus was gone from the tomb, that he was resurrected. And we have to understand something. God does things for our benefit to teach us and show us and reveal things to us that we would not normally recognize. And in many ways, sometimes God has to reveal things to us by rolling those stones away in our lives. And showing us things. Giving us discernment. Giving us wisdom. Giving us guidance. Giving us information. What's one of the most important things that you as a believer needs to do if you are discipling someone? You pray that God reveals things to you in the midst of that discipleship. That he shows you things that you would not normally consider. I mean, when I'm counseling people, guess what? That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm praying for wisdom and guidance to make sure that God reveals things to me through the Spirit, things that I would maybe not even talk about. And that's exactly what God is doing here. He is showing us. He is showing us so that people could see and get in. And remember, as we look at this account, let's go back to verse 3 of John chapter 20. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So who's at the tomb first? John. 
he stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Now, you can see inside the tomb without going in. That's the first thing we need to pay attention to. Sometimes we can see things, but he didn't go in the tomb. He didn't need to go in the tomb. It was very clear what had taken place. And understand something. When we look at this resurrection and we look at what took, takes place, first of all, we all know that people coming back from the dead is the most extraordinary of all anomalies you can come up with. I mean, we've heard of people that have had near-death experiences, but and at the end of the day, they weren't completely clinically dead. And they may come back and return. But for all intents and purposes, when you are dead and your soul is departed the body, you're gone. And sometimes it requires time to make sure that that is the case because that's all we can determine, right? That's all doctors can determine, people in the hospital. You, you, there's a pulse. There are things that take place even in the midst of a person who's dying. Well, even in this resurrection, this is an incredible story. Amen? This is something that defies all human logic and understanding. How can someone who's been dead in a tomb for three days rise again? And of course, you're going to have different levels of faith. Mary has to go through, Mary had to go through four different stages of belief. At first, they might think the story is a fabrication. They don't want to believe it. Somebody had to have stolen the body. That's kind of what you see in John chapter 2, right here. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 2, excuse me. The second stage is like Peter. They might check out the facts, but they still might be puzzled about what happens. And that's what we read in verse 6. Okay, we don't see a body, but the linens, linen wrappings are still there. The third thing we might encounter is we now, later on in future readings, we'll see that Jesus did come back. And that's when the disciples recognize Jesus when he walks in and sees them and comes into the room, asks for something to eat, and they're all staring at him while he's eating because he's actually physically eating food. And that's also as evidence to show that he was indeed alive because if you're, you're not going to be eating something if you're dead. Amen? I mean, uh, that's the way that goes. And the fourth stage is that they commit themselves to the risen Lord and then they devote their lives to serving them and then with the help of the Spirit they begin to understand the reality of His presence with them. Remember how Jesus had to reveal things to them through the Holy Spirit after all of this had taken place. And that's in John chapter 20, verse 28 where Thomas, again, we give Thomas credit he had a different type of faith, but he was not going to believe until he physically saw Jesus and put his fingers in his side because he knew that Jesus had his side pierced and put the fingers and put his fingers on his hands and recognized that he had the nails driven through his hands. And so Thomas had full recognition of who Jesus was at that moment. There are different levels of belief based upon where our faith is. When you first heard the story about the crucifixion and then the resurrection, did you believe it right away? Now, some of you can say yes. And I'm more like wait and see because I needed to know more about who Jesus was and what was going on with that. You had to hear the gospel message about Jesus. You had to believe that he went to the cross. You had to believe certain things to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. But without the resurrection, there's no point. The resurrection had to take place. And I want to point some, something out here that's very, very interesting as we go through the rest of this passage and look at some things here. So we already know that John made it a point just to write pretty much about Mary Magdalene, Peter, and himself. And I think it's notable that Peter was there because apparently Peter resided with John. John was with Peter. 
And I think that John, you have to understand that what happened with Peter at the end when Jesus went to the cross, he was humiliated. He was deeply hurt because essentially the words that Jesus told him came true, that he would deny him three times. So let's just imagine that Peter was just kind of ostracized even from the other disciples because they didn't go that far. They didn't deny Jesus publicly that we know about, but Peter did. And so I think John took him in just so he would not be out on his own alone and grieving. And so both of them were together when Mary came and found them. Let's go back and read verses 6 and 7 again. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He went into the tomb. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, here is something that John is going to reveal to us that the other writers of the gospel did not reveal. And it comes down to the use of one Greek word that refers to the garments, the linens being wrapped. It's entaliso. Entaliso. It's spelled in English E-N-T-U-L-I-S-S-O. The O is long. Entaliso. And it's describing the linens that were folded up lying in the tomb. Now, let's look at this logically. If the body was stolen, do you think that the people stealing the body would have left linen, the linens that wrapped Jesus' body, folded up on the platform where he was laying? The answer is no, they wouldn't do that. They would just take him bodily and just move him. And do you think that Jesus needed someone to come and let him out? And maybe that Jesus, even when he came out of the wrappings, that he would fold them up and leave them. And the answer is that's not logical either. So let's look at this entaliso and see what that represents. It is only used three times in the King James Bible. Three times in all of Scripture. Let's read the first account. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. And we're going to see the account. And you're going to go to verse... Well, let's go to verse 57. We're just going to read the passage, but the word is going to be used in verse 59. And this is before he was put in the tomb. Before he was put in the tomb. Please remember that. At verse 57, New Living Translation, As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Verse 59, here's where the word is going to be used. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. And this wrapping that was taking place was a very orderly wrapping. A very orderly wrapping with using the proper folds, whatever it was, okay? And then verse 60, he placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. So Joseph took it upon himself to wrap Jesus in the tomb. And we also know that Nicodemus was there, but Matthew was only giving the account of what Joseph did and wrapped the body of Jesus in this cloth. And he's the one that rolled the stone and closed the tomb up. Let's look at the other instance. Go now to Luke 23. 
Remember, we're looking at this one use of the Greek word, Luke 23. Let's start at verse 50 because that gives us a flow here, but it's going to be in verse 53 where we're going to see the use of this entelezo Greek word. And remember again, just for a reminder, only three times we see this in the entire Bible in the King James Version. Verse 50, Luke 53. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Verse 52, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it, laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as the Sabbath was about to begin. Okay, and so we, we have that information and we know that the women, if you read further on there in that passage, you'll see that the women went home and prepared spices, but it was too late to do anything because it was time now for the Sabbath. So we keep that account in mind as well too. Go back to John chapter 20, verse 7. So both of these other accounts were before Jesus was put in the tomb. Now, here's the word being used again in verse 7. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. So, in this account, we see that in the previous two uses of entelezo, the Greek word, this was before Jesus went into the tomb. This was when Jesus was out of the tomb after the fact, after he had risen from the dead. The linens were still folded up. The linens were neatly folded up and left in the tomb. Same word, three different uses, but the unique thing here now, if we're trying to make a case for the resurrection, that Jesus didn't need any help getting out of that tomb, the folded linens is a clue, is a key. Those same linens that were folded before are the same linens that were folded after he rose from the dead. And you have to understand something. Look at verse 8. John chapter 20, verse 8. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw. What was he looking at? The linens. No body, but folded linens. And believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said that Jesus, Jesus must rise from the dead. Let me tell you something that's very important here. We must, must, must stay in the word all the time. We must continue to let God speak to us all the time. Do you see how the disciples had to learn after being taught all this time about Jesus rising from the dead and they still didn't get it until they saw the evidence? They were still learning. And they still didn't have all knowledge because the Spirit would have to be given to them to have complete knowledge. But they had one more piece of evidence that Jesus was the real deal. He did what he said he was going to do. And he's even showing us how special this is that he came from that tomb. He wasn't ripping stuff off of him and pulling things apart. He just came out of those linens, left them folded where they were. Hallelujah! That's what we need to see and understand. This word, entelezo, only used three times, twice before he was put in the tomb, wrapped up in the linens, and once after he rose from the tomb, all folded up just like they were before. We need to see evidence from time to time. And this was a new revelation to me. It never occurred to me that something like this would be so important 
to show the people who were there, who were there when he was being buried, wrapped in the tomb. He was dead. It was already determined. None of his bones were broken. There was no need for anybody to do anything else. He was already dead on the cross. And everyone saw him, the ones who were there present, the women, um, Nicodemus, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, they all saw and wrapped him personally But when John went back and when Peter went back, they saw the wrappings, the linen wrappings. They were still there, still folded up. No one's going to take the time to go in and fold the linens up and try to make a show out of it. You know, it's interesting when you... <laughs> when you're... Um, I don't know why I thought of this just now. now let's just say there's a, there's a bee chasing you, right? And there's bugs or there's bugs or something to get in your clothes. What's the first thing you're trying to do? Get out of your clothes. You don't want those bugs crawling all over you. So you're going to take those clothes off, right? You're not going to just put bug spray on yourself without taking the clothes off. Or taking a shower or a bath. Jesus had no need to do anything. He just left the tomb... The cloth that covered his head was still rolled up in the shape of a head. It was about at the right distance from the wrappings that had enveloped Jesus' body. Didn't need the head wrapping anymore. No grave robbing. Nobody taking him away. He left on his own accord. He did what he said he was going to do. And understand that Remember, you know, they tried to, the Romans would try to make it a point where the disciples had done something with the body, but they didn't fabricate the story. They didn't make, the disciples didn't make this stuff up. They were surprised themselves. They were surprised Jesus wasn't there. They were fully expecting him to still be in the tomb. They hadn't gotten it, they hadn't understood. We had the benefit of knowing. They did not have the benefit of knowing. They didn't completely understand what Jesus was telling them. Remember, they were always perplexed when Jesus said, I'm going, to be, I'm going to go and be raised on the third day. What does that mean? Because folks didn't just naturally get up out of their grave. It's not understood that way. They saw the tomb and they remembered what the Scriptures had said. He said he would die, but he also said what? He would rise again. We serve a living Savior. We serve a living Savior. Death could not hold him or keep him. Amen. That's critical for us, everybody. That's something we have to see. We have to recognize that those disciples had to understand that this was God's Son. Turn to Romans 1, verse 4. You know, we have additional writings that, you know, talk about this very thing. Well, start with verse 3. Romans verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. The resurrection is the very heart of our Christian faith. And the heart of our Christian faith talks about who Jesus is. When we talk about the good news, the gospel, what is the gospel? The good news is about His Son. That's what it says in verse 3, Romans 1, verse 3. In His earthly life, He was born into King David's family line, and He was shown to be, who? The Son of God. When He, raised, when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Even the disciples had to recognize and understand who this Jesus truly was. Now, Peter had said before, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He recognized that. But Peter had to do what? See for himself what that really meant. See for himself. Let's look at another account. 
we have the victory of faith over death. Go back to John 11. John 11. Then this was the account in der, during the time when Lazarus was dead and before Jesus rose, brought him from the grave. And remember, that was his last miracle that we were aware of in Scripture where Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. No coming back from that unless Jesus brings him back. Start with verse... 24. John 11, verse 24. Yes, Martha said, He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. He was talking about Lazarus eventually rising, the resurrection that we talk about uh, when Jesus brings all of the people to Him. Okay, Risen from the dead, uh, out of the grave that way. But look at verse 25. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. But even Martha had to see Lazarus come from the grave and understand what was taking place. And Martha had to also realize and learn Jesus himself had to come from the grave to back up the very words that he's using here. Notice in both accounts, God's Son, Son of God. Jesus wasn't just an ordinary man. We know that. He was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. A lot of worshiping of dead gods back then by other people. Worshiping of statues. You know what? A lot of us worship statues today. They just take different forms. Cars, boats, money. They don't live and breathe. But we serve a living God. We serve a risen Jesus. That resurrection was so important for us to see. And we want to emphasize that Jesus indeed rose from the dead on the first day of the week. We go to church on Sunday because we remember what Jesus did. It was after the Sabbath. And that's why it's traditional for us to go to church on Sunday. He was risen on the first day first day of the week. They had account. John gives us this account and tells us this. I'm going to read verses 8 and 9 again in John chapter 20. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. These words are chosen very carefully. Must rise from the dead. He was fulfilling his mission. He was completing his mission. His mission was to what? Come from the grave, rise from the dead, overcome death. That's what's important for us to see here. And it was for everyone who came back to the tomb to see this information and now it was to be reported and shared with others. In the same way that the kings, when they went to see Jesus himself, they went and shared with everybody when they saw and heard. that. And the shepherds did the same thing. The shepherds, when they were revealed to them in Luke about, uh, I bring you good news, glad tidings, great joy. A son, has ri- a son has been born. A Savior. A Savior. Christ the Lord. You tell everybody. You don't keep that news to yourself. You share with everyone. You know why? Because you can personalize it. You know that Jesus went to the cross for you. You can share that news. 
So when people come into our church and they want to learn more about, they have a heart for God, want to learn more about Jesus, you share with them, if they don't already know about it, the good news of what Jesus Christ did for them. Because you can personalize it. You know exactly what Jesus Christ did for you. You know what He did for you on the cross. And then verse 10, then they went home. That's just a weird way to end that section. But they went home, but we also understand that they went back and they started to talk and share with people what was going on. Even the disciples, even the men that walked with Jesus for two years still had something to learn. We all have things to learn too. And I learned something about this in Tuliso. The use of this word. But John uses the word after Jesus came from the tomb. Folded linens. Wrapped neatly. What a wonderful Savior. He's showing us and telling us that He's legitimate. He is legit. I'm not going to be like J.B. Smoove saying He's legit or it's legit. But He is legit. He's the real deal. We need to keep that on our hearts and minds in the same way that Mary kept the thoughts that people shared on her heart and mind about who Jesus was. And we thank you for that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time that you've given us to now go over this passage about truly your goodness and what you did to show us that you're a risen Lord and risen Savior. You are the Son of God. And we thank you for being in the position and in the authority to go to the cross to atone for our sins and to live in such a manner where, Lord, you were being obedient to the Father, but yet you accounted for our sin, past, present, and future. And we thank you for that. Lord, may we take this information, this news, and continue to share your gospel freely, willingly. And as we learn more from you, Lord, that we will share what we learn with others. Thank you for your truth and thank you for your presence. Bless us and keep us now, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We appreciate you joining us today for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. God bless you and take care of yourselves. Uh, For those of you who are online and not coming to our church in Akron, stay tuned online for our live service at approximately 11 o'clock online. Take care of yourselves. God bless you. And we will see you next time.